Good morning. I've struggled in the last few weeks to bring together my thoughts for this podcast. It seems uh, I have a lot of things I want to say, but bringing those thoughts together in a coherent story seems to have been a bit of a challenge for some reason. Today, I want to talk about our place in the world. I'm sure most of us have at some stage in our lives on earth asked ourselves a question, who am I? What is my purpose for being here? These are huge metaphysical questions and I'm sure I have never managed to answer any of those questions adequately in my lifetime. If you go online and ask these questions, you will be bombarded by advice generally about your role in life, your passions, whether you have ambitions, what you care about, what job should you do, what hobbies you should undertake, what kind of personality you are. The list is frankly endless. The problem is the world seems intent these days on finding a purpose and a definition for you within the physical world around us. It is for this reason that the harder we work towards trying to find ourselves in this reality, the more confused and frustrated we become. Why is that, you might ask? If we really consider this question, we realise that the answers simply cannot be found in the reality around us. There actually must be something else. The reality we're being asked to engage in is not ours. It belongs to other people. Your ideal job belongs to a global capitalist system. Your hobbies, uh, your ideas, those of others that created the hobby. Your passions are probably a function of what others have instilled in you. Your ambitions are a reflection of a competition between your ego and those around you. Your personality is probably several layers thick with masks and contrivances that you've adopted over your life in order to fit in. The reality is that not one of us is us. We are a mixture of everything around us. And for the human spirit, this kind of self-illusion can only last for so long before something happens that leads us to question everything and we undertake some sort of existential reckoning with ourselves and the universe that we find ourselves in. Normally that could be a near-death experience or the death of a loved one or some traumatic event that um, causes us to pause and really think deeply about what it is we're doing and how we're living our lives. In some ways, when you think about it, you have to wonder why we exist at all. Doesn't it seem odd to you that we are born without any understanding and knowledge? We then spend most of our lives trying to understand the world around us as best we can, only to die at the end of it? There seems to be a certain purposelessness in it all. If we were all well-designed, we would be born with all the knowledge that our parents and grandparents and thousands of years of family had learned and be able to make our contribution to the world in the full knowledge that what we'd done and learned would get passed on to our children. You can quite see, when you think about it like that, why we seem so confused at times and have to ask ourselves what the purpose of our existence is. It can't be the case, surely, that we were put on this earth just to procreate 
That doesn't seem to make any more sense than any other idea. But that is what the evolutionists and the biologists would have you believe. It can't be that we were put on Earth to drive a successful economic global system that drives everyone to work 13,000 days of our life with 28 days a year off for holidays uh, for good behavior. That really can't be the reason either. I mean, could it be that we were put on Earth to further human knowledge for the benefit of mankind? Why would that be? Why would that be it? There are tribes on Earth today who can who we can only assume have lived with the same knowledge for 100,000 years and lived quite happily. So maybe we should assume that, you know, benefiting uh, mankind by furthering human knowledge might not be the reason for our existence either. Could it be we were put on earth to find ourselves and give purpose to our lives? I know the Western coaching industry would love that to be the case. But what if there is no need for purpose? What if the person you find is not the person you really are? How do we know the answers to these questions? And anyway, who are these coaches that profess to know all these answers? Maybe we're simply meant to exist. God, that sounds awful, doesn't it? But we do have answers. We do have theories. We do have science. And when you go exploring in this space, you find some of the most wonderful ideas and beliefs ever to have been written down or passed down through the ages. Some of these ideas trace back over 100,000 years. In fact, it's probably fair to say that ever since mankind learned to communicate, we've probably been asking some version of this basic question of who am I and what am I doing here? So where did this need for purpose and self-justification come from in the first place? I'm not entirely sure your average hedgehog or mountain lion sits quietly contemplating on a daily basis and wrestles with these large and wobbly questions about life and the universe and everything. Well, let's start with what I think is probably the oldest theory known to man. It's a compelling story, and according to the written text, it's probably between 50 and 100,000 years old if we are to believe that knowledge was passed down by word of mouth for up to 100,000 years until around 4,500 BC. And this story started in the Indus Valley. It started to be transcribed um, when we first invented the written word. And two great civilizations emerged at this time, the Harappan civilization of the Indus Valley and the Sumerian civilization in what is now known as Persia in the Middle East. If you're a Christian, then most of your Bible originates from the Sumerians and Babylonians. If you're a mathematician, then most of your math originates from that time too. And if you're an astrologist, then most of your known knowledge of the cosmos comes from the Indus Valley. In fact, it's probably fair to say that most of what you know now and have and do in this world today started over 6,000 years ago with an ancient knowledge that predates even this time. Things like irrigation, time, dentistry, wind power, writing, wheeled vehicles, numbers, geometry. The list just simply goes on and on. So why am I telling you all of this? Well, I think it's important to take a step back. Most of the time when we ask the question, 
of who we are and what our purpose is. We do it in the context of now, today. And we tend to measure ourselves against what we know today. For example, we tend to think of ourselves today as an advanced civilization with more knowledge than we've ever had at any time and almost limitless potential through science. And yet, there is clear evidence that we are still only just starting to understand things that were known thousands of years ago without access to all the supposedly advanced knowledge and techniques we have today. It seems when you think about it, our purpose in the larger historical context I've just mentioned, that we were put on earth to discover and develop new knowledge. That would make sense. But let's think about why that would be. What do we have? Why do we have a need to discover and invent things? These ancient tribes in the jungles of Amazon and elsewhere in the world haven't found any need to invent an F-16 fighter plane or a space shuttle. So it doesn't follow that we were necessarily put here to create things for the sake of those things. So what could be the reason for this? Well, it appears to me that the main driver of all the manifestation of knowledge we possess as humanity is driven by our desire to be in communion with each other and help each other, as well as ourselves, to survive and prosper together. As we became a society and moved from small tribes into bigger communities, we created problems that we hadn't come across before, and therefore we needed to solve those problems. If you look at it this way, solving problems is not our purpose and reason for living, but rather living together as a community has a greater level of validity and purpose. Helping each other and supporting ourselves, finding ways of cohabiting on the planet, seems like a more likely purpose for our existence. But then you have to ask yourself, why would you bother with all that hassle? Surely at some stage we had an opportunity to just refuse to be part of that first town or settlement and live our lives separately. But we didn't. And there's a very good reason for this. We are, as humans, social animals. We, we thrive when we're part of a larger community. The social scientist would have you believe that there's a trade-off of security, shared burden, etc., that we give in return for this type of life. But we can see what happens to the human spirit when it's deprived of other human contact. We can reduce a perfectly healthy individual to a babbling wreck who would rather die than continue living by just placing them in solitary confinement for long enough. So we know that there is something about being human and in the presence of other humans. What is it? What is it that makes us want to be with other humans? You'd be forgiven for wondering where all this is leading to, but it forms a foundation to the answer of who we are and why we're here. The oldest texts we have speak of reincarnation. The idea behind reincarnation is that we are all souls, all energetic beings. We belong to the universe as a higher form of consciousness. We choose to live our lives on earth. And to do this, we inhabit our bodies so that we can experience physical reality. In this theory, our bodies are a bit like a car that we hire out so that we can go for a drive in this place we called Earth. All of these ancient texts are quite clear that the soul is separate from mind and body. 
we will have come across expressions such as, I am the captain of my soul, or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, or keeping body and soul together. So common is the reference to this duality in us that it supports the idea that we have always known that we're not just our body and mind. We must be something greater than this. This is important because it, it means that we're more than just our physical bodies. We are, in fact, a form of universal energy. If all of this sounds a bit far-fetched, you'll be surprised to find that modern science has been studying this phenomenon for over 50 years and has now got concrete proof that we are, in fact, energetic beings. If we were to accept this on face value, it would go some way to explaining why we enjoy living as a community and why we need human company and interaction. We are, in some ways, connected to each other in a way that transcends our physical bodies in a very elemental way, that if severed, causes us huge problems. Just look at the devastation that the COVID lockdown rules have created in people's mental health. Never in the history of mankind have we managed to cause suicide levels that we've witnessed in the last 12 months. Men were actually better adjusted mentally in the trenches of the First World War and the atrocities that they had to put up with simply because they were together. Something about being together allowed them to cope. It's clear to me that being part of humanity, part of a wider community, part of each other, is a fundamental part of being, a fundamental purpose in our lives. And without it, we suffer terribly. It's perhaps for this reason that some of the oldest knowledge we possess on the planet that gets passed down year after year for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years relates to how we can improve our lives by living together harmoniously. These laws go together to form what some people call the golden rules. The golden rules are do no harm, be honest, be kind, work for the common good, do not covet material wealth. Another, other many golden rules exist across all religions and texts that predate religions and are supremely important to us. A great truth and a golden rule that I think is one of the earliest laws that I have found on the planet is something called ahimsa. Ahimsa is a, an idea that comes from the Jainists. And the idea is not wishing to harm any living creature not even to any lifeless object. Ahimsa is also about the intent rather than the action itself. It's an attitude of universal benevolence. The Jainists pioneered this idea over 6,000 years ago. You will probably have come across it more recently if you've ever read anything about Mahatma Gandhi. Gandhi practiced Jainism, and Gandhi said the following, Nonviolence is the greatest force at the, disposable, at the disposal of mankind. It is mightier than the mightiest weapon of destruction devised by the ingenuity of man. I'll read that again. Nonviolence is the greatest force at the disposal of mankind. It is mightier than the mightiest weapon of destruction devised by the ingenuity of man.
If we are one consciousness, one form of connected energy and intelligence, a form of advanced energetic being, and the knowledge we have from hundreds of thousands of years must be important to us. We're not the poor little humanoids that we've been told we are. We are, in fact, a very advanced life form. The fact that this might seem fanciful has more to do with what we've been taught than the actual reality of our situation. If you doubt that last statement, ask yourself, if you tell yourself that you truly are only here to work and bring up children and have a few days off a year, does that really truly resonate with you? Or are you left thinking, that just simply can't be it? Surely there must be more to it. The truth is, we all know there is more. The difficulty is that it's not easy to see it. How can we have tens of thousands of years of knowledge and living examples of transcendence among us as living proof of this knowledge? And yet at the same time, have people telling us that this is all hocus pocus and rubbish? If it was rubbish and no one believed in it, it wouldn't be there. We would have lost lost it all, all that knowledge 10,000 years ago. But we haven't. It persists. It exists and it continues to grow. Why is that? Well, I believe that when we come face to face with truth, we cannot deny it. No matter how hard we try, there is something about the eternal truths that resonate. And that is why almost all the greatest thinkers of the last 500 years have all eventually returned to these seminal texts and knowledge reservoirs. No matter how clever you are, whether you are Heidegger, Nietzsche, Einstein, or hundreds of others of that ilk, In the end, they all realized that you've talked yourself in a big circle back to something we've known for hundreds of thousands of years. So how does that help us answer some of these really difficult questions of who we are and what our purpose is? Well, I believe we're here to enjoy the physical experience of Earth. So adopting the principles of Ahimsa is about protecting and increasing the health of the world around us. In other words, our first law is to do no harm. This way we can enjoy life on this planet and everyone else, our shared human energetic presence, can all enjoy living in a peaceful and non-harmful environment. By doing so, we ensure that the future generations of energetic beings that metaphorically hire out a car for the journey also have a nice place to come. You'd be forgiven for pointing out that We don't seem to be very good at living according to these ancient fundamental truths. We've played, we've laid waste to our environment and consumed a large share of the planetary resources. And we seem to spend most of our lives fighting. Well, all of that is true. And to a large extent, we are still trying to find better ways of living with each other. Many of us don't know we are connected energetic beings. Many of us have bought into this material world around us and have lost touch with the ancient wisdoms as well as who we are and in this modern world it gets harder and harder to do so. In the west we're driving people to be more individualistic as if this is some sort of fantastic thing but it's not working. It's starting to fail. We can see it in the starvation, the poverty that exists, the mental health crisis. 
many visitors to Western Europe and the USA from other parts of the world are frankly appalled and dismayed that these rich, wealthy countries have beggars on the street and poverty on the scale that we do. They can't understand the pace of life and the stress everyone is exhibiting. Our way, our Western ways, are starting to fail. They no longer work. And in those quiet moments when we have time to really question these things, we know this is true. We know that moving further away from each other is not the answer. The answer is as old as mankind, and it's about community and shared consciousness. It's about serving each other, living peacefully, gently, and playfully on this earth. It's about engaging with the eternal cosmic energy that fuels us as energetic beings. So my advice to you is to go in search of ancient knowledge. Look for the lessons of our forefathers. Trust in the wisdom that exists and seek to connect with the energy that exists around you, in you and in others. The reality I'm describing is infinitely bigger than anything you can conceive of. Once you experience the infinite, nothing else on the human plane in the physical world is relevant. It's only then that you can start to live your life meaningfully, and only then that you will understand your place in the universe. I'm going to leave you with the words of Gandhi. I offer you peace. I offer you love. I offer you friendship. I see your beauty. I hear your need. I feel your feelings. My wisdom flows from the highest source. I salute that source in you. Let us work together for unity and peace. And I think that's a wonderful thing to finish on. As usual, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. And uh, these podcasts are always interesting for me as I explore new ideas. And I hope that they're helpful and interesting. And uh, if you like them and you find them useful, please share them with your friends. Um, the purpose of doing these podcasts is to help people. Um, it's a form of community. It's a form of sharing. And uh, you never know when someone might find something in a podcast that is useful to them at a time of need. So once again, thank you. And I look forward to talking to you soon.